welcome all of you if you're a guest. My name is Jared Ming. I'm the lead pastor here at Higher Vision. And if you have a Bible or you're using your phone as a source of scripture, I'd like for you to go to the book of Genesis. As you go in there, let me just say that we're excited to have not only our church family here in the room, but people joining us around the world. Watertown, South Dakota, New York, Colorado. We have Encinita, Nido, California, Las Vegas, Bakersfield, Santa Ana, Dallas, Dublin, California. We have Palm Desert. Can we welcome all of our church family that's joining us around the world, around the country, around California? Wow, we're glad you're with us today. You know, uh, last week we started a series called Forward. I didn't know it was going to be series. I was going to just do one weekend, but kind of feel like that what I'm about to share with you carries on that idea because we learned last week that the scripture tells us that we all should have one focus and that is forgetting the things that are behind and looking forward to the things which are before. And it says all who are spiritually mature should have the same mentality that we let go and we hold on to the progress that we've made. And we learned that God wants us to take that wants to take us forward. We need to have forward progress. We need to have forward effort, but we need to have forward vision. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to move forward? So today what I want to do is, as we were talking about forward vision last weekend, we talked about how that God needs to not give us just natural vision, but spiritual vision. Higher vision is about helping you find God's vision for your life. And many times we need a revelation. The word vision is a revelation from heaven. God wants to give us a revelation of his purpose so that we can move forward. So I'm going to tell you a story about someone who had their eyes opened. And I'm going to talk about something that often holds people back from stepping forward. So what I want to do today is I want to give you the cliff notes. How many of you, when you were in school, you were guilty at times of not reading the book and just grabbing the cliff notes? Come on. Come on, this is church. You have to tell the truth. God, we're going to have an altar call at the end here. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes to this story about a woman named Hagar. Abraham and Isaac, God had given them a promise. And the promise was that they were going to have a son. And that son, through him, the entire world would be blessed. And that's happened. You and I are here today as God's seed, God's children through Abraham and through his son Isaac. But after several years, about 10 to 15 years, they didn't have a child. And they got discouraged. Everybody say discouraged. And so because of this discouragement, Sarah came up with an idea. She said, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have one of my servants sleep with you and she'll have a child. She'll be our surrogate. And then now you'll have a child since we're not having children. We're discouraged. We're not having them. And then through that child, the world will be blessed. So she talked Abraham into it. He went along with it. And they had a child named Ishmael. But as soon as they had the child Ishmael, problems started happening. In fact, as soon as she got pregnant, conflict began to happen. And we began to find that Hagar got discouraged, that Sarah had already been discouraged, Abraham were discouraged. And there was all these problems until eventually, after God comes along and fulfills his promise and gives them a son, Sarah ends up getting pregnant at 90 years of age and has a child named Isaac. So now we have God's planned promise and then we had the you know, the idea that man came up with. How many know there's a difference between a good idea and a God idea? So now we have the good and the God. And now there's conflict with the two. So much that eventually Sarah comes to Abraham when Ishmael is making fun of Isaac and there's all these problems. She says, hey, you've got to send Ishmael away because it's competing against God's promise. And so the Bible says that God tells Abraham, listen to your wife and send her away. So Abraham gives her some water, 
and says, I know this is harsh and difficult, but I'm trusting God that he's going to take care of you. And he sends them out into the wilderness. And they end up out in the wilderness. They run out of water and they feel like they're going to die. And that's where we pick up on our story. I want you to stand to your feet. You're going to find a woman now who is at a place of great discouragement. How many here have ever walked through moments of discouragement? I want everyone to read this with me. Genesis 21 verse 18 says this. Ready? Here we go. Go to him and comfort him. Let me pause there. She had allowed her son, who was somewhere around 15 years of age, to lie in a bush thinking he was going to die, and she'd walked a little ways away. And she said, I'm just going to let him die. I can't stand to watch him die. And an angel shows up, and he says, go to him and comfort him. Let's keep reading. For I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes. There's that phrase that we talked about last week, God giving us a vision. God opens her eyes, and let's, see, let's go on and see what it says. And she saw a well full of water. Then the Bible says, read with me, she quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. You know, it's interesting, the word discouragement, here's what it means according to the dictionary. It means a loss of confidence, a loss of enthusiasm. It also means this, it's a force attempting to prevent something. And I want to tell you, the devil wants to try and prevent your forward progress into God's promises. And oftentimes, he will use discouragement. So today, if we're going to move forward, we're going to have to deal with discouragement. And what I'm about to teach you, I actually shared this message about a year ago in a smaller setting with some people at the well. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about it this morning because I know there are people here, people joining us somewhere around the world, and you're discouraged today. And it's holding you back from moving forward. How many are ready to move forward? Why don't you close your eyes right now? Holy Spirit, we welcome you and we say, take us forward. Help us to deal with our discouragement. Help us to deal with our issues and challenges in life. Help us to overcome. You've called us an overcomer. So in Jesus' name, we will move forward. If you believe that, somebody shout amen. You may be seated today. So today, as you move forward, you've got to deal with discouragement. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a few minutes. And I'm going to teach a little bit. I brought out a stool so that it helps me teach instead of preach. I have a feeling my preach will get on, but we're going to try to teach a little bit, all right? So I'm going to give you three thoughts to help you overcome discouragement. How many want to overcome? Point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're going to deal with discouragement, you have to to do this. Don't let discouragement deform your character. Everybody say that with me. Don't let discouragement deform your character. I want to show you what happened in the story now. We're going to go back and, and grab some highlights of this story, and we're going to see how discouragement began to deform character. We already know, first of all, that it deformed character with Abraham and Sarah, because instead of waiting for the promised child, they came up with another plan for Abraham to sleep with another woman that wasn't his wife. That wasn't God's plan. How many know that discouragement can deform your character? Now watch what happens to Hagar because we see it tried to deform her character as well. Genesis 16 verse 4 says, When Hagar knew she was pregnant, so she gets pregnant, she began to treat her mistress Sarah 
with contempt. Now, let me stop there and leave that up for a second. Obviously, Sarai felt that Hagar was a woman of character that was worthy of raising a child and helping raise a child. Obviously, she picked her for a reason. Maybe it was because she was strong. Maybe it was because, but I have a feeling a big reason was because she saw something in Hagar, some kind of character that she felt like, this is the kind of person that I want involved in this process. This is the kind of person that I want their DNA in our child. But when discouragement came, when she got pregnant, when she realized things were changing, the Bible says that she starts to treat her master, Sarai, with contempt. Now, if you read on, it says that Sarai goes to Abraham and says, we got a problem. She's not treating me right. And so here's what Abraham says. I love this. Isn't this the man? Abraham replied, look, she is your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. In other words, he said, this is your problem because it was your idea. Come on. (laughs) Don't you love the Bible and the reality there? Then Sarai treated Hagar. Now we see Sarai again allowing her character to be deformed. Instead of treating her the right way, dealing with the issue, the Bible says she treated her so harshly, some believe that it was physical abuse, that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar, and where was she? She was in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Then the angel said to her, now this is important, we're gonna focus on this, return to your mistress and, what's the next word? To her what? Go back and submit to her authority. Go back to where you were. Then he added, I will give you, look at this, this is important because we're going to dive into it. I will give you more descendants than you can count. Now, let's take a minute and let's look into this because what's interesting is when she faces a problem, Hagar, she she starts to allow her character to, to deform and do things she shouldn't do and she ends up running. How many of you here have ever had situations come in life where suddenly you started going places you thought you'd never go, saying things you thought you'd never say, doing things you thought you'd never do. And now Hagar has run from this place, right? And it's interesting where she ran. It says she went to the road that lead to Shur. That is a road that led, if you look into the the area that they were in, it led to Egypt. Now, why is that important? It's important because We know that Abraham and Sarah, many years earlier, had gone to Egypt. And while they were there, there was this problem with Pharaoh and Sarah and Abraham. And Pharaoh ends up blessing Abraham with all kinds of wealth, all kinds of gifts. And he gives him a bunch of gifts and servants. So most theologians believe that Hagar was from Egypt and was one of the servants that Pharaoh had given to Abraham. What is, Sarah, what is Hagar doing now? She faces discouragement, and we, we talked about this last week. What does she do? She runs to her past. She starts heading back to Egypt. Now, you've got to understand something. Hagar was probably discouraged, not just the fact that she was pregnant, but, but she was discouraged because of a few things. Number one, she used to work for Pharaoh, which means of servants, she had the highest level. The, she was in a place where she was taken care of beautifully, uh, uh, I mean, beautiful home. She, I mean, there was everything that you could need. And even as a servant, she had status. And now she's given to a nomad who doesn't have much 
comparatively to Pharaoh, who wanders the wilderness going nowhere, out in the dirt and out in the desert. And not only that, she's so discouraged now because the only thing that she does have is a chance to get married, right? Well, now she can't even get married because now she's married to a man who will never love her, who probably will never have more kids with her. She'll never be loved. She'll never fulfill her dreams and her promises. Hagar is discouraged. And what happens when she's discouraged? She leaves her master and she runs back towards Egypt. And when she's on the road to Egypt, God shows up through an angel and says, hey, hold on, go back. Now here's the question I ask myself. Why did God make her go back? Especially we know in the story that 15 years later, he sends her away anyway. It's a fair question. Why not let her go back if he's going to, if Ishmael and Isaac are going to have problems anyway? Why make her go back to Sarah? Why not just let her go back to Egypt? Well, I'm going to dismiss and you can think about that this week. And uh, <laughs> I don't know that I have the answer. No, I do feel like I have the answer. And I want to share what I think the answer is. You see, Ishmael wasn't the promised child. The reason that, I think there's two reasons. One of the reasons why God was sending her back was because he decided your character has started to deform. And in order for you to walk in the blessings that I have for you, you need for me to deal with your character. So you need to go back to the place where you have to submit and walk under authority because it's in that setting. Let me say it this way. The path to God's blessing is always through the door of submission. The path to God's blessing is always through the door of submission. See, God knew that she needed to go back to Sarai and to Abraham because when she was there, she wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible for her character to be deformed. God was going to be able to redefine and redeem her character. It's interesting. I was thinking about this idea of discouragement deforms your character. And I thought about this weekend. My, my wife is in Fresno right now. And, and about an hour ago, my sister-in-law gave birth to a brand new little baby niece now. Her name is Ivy, 8 pounds, 13 ounces. She's here and we're heading back to see her after church today. And um, she has a brother by the name of Dex who's about three years old. Dex is fun. We were over at Dex's house yesterday and we were playing and I was up in his room and we were playing with blocks and doing these, these, these fun things with the blocks and then we ended up going downstairs and started playing with monster trucks. And as we're playing with monster trucks, Dex looks outside. Now, Dex is the sweet little boy. I mean, he, he's really sweet. But he looks outside and when he looks outside, he sees the swing set. And suddenly, everything and his focus changed. He looks at Dad, he looks at me, he's like, I want to go outside. And dad says, no, Dex, we have company. We're playing with Uncle Jared inside. So we're going to play monster trucks. Suddenly, when Dex realized that he wasn't going to get what he wanted, a spirit came into the room. Come on. <laughs> He's like, no, I want to go outside. And dad's like, no, no, we're not going outside. We're going to play either monster trucks or you're going to go up into your room. He's like, no, I want to go. And suddenly it just started unraveling from there. And he's going all crazy and he's kind of throwing a fit, right? And, and so what does dad do? Dad says, Dexy, you better change your attitude or daddy's going to go into the kitchen. Because you see, 
That's important because in the kitchen is the spatula. (laughs) And as soon as he says, I'm going into the kitchen, he gets up and he starts walking to the kitchen and Dex suddenly starts to change. He jumps up and he's like, Daddy, Daddy. He says, Daddy, Daddy, you don't need to go in the kitchen. (laughs) And he goes, he goes, Daddy, Daddy, Dexy a good boy. (laughs) You see, as long as he didn't get what he wanted, his natural tendency was to allow his character to deform. But the moment that he had to walk back into a place of accountability and submission, a redefining of his character began. See, what's interesting, sometimes God will use what drives you away to drive you toward his purpose. Because the blessing is always through the path of submission. The path to God's blessing is through the door of submission. God was wanting to take her back to a place where he wouldn't allow her character to to begin to change and begin to do things that she shouldn't do and say things that she shouldn't say. You know why? Because he loved her so much, he wanted her to get the blessing. Isn't it good to know that God wants us to get the blessing? You know, the other reason I think God sent her back was not just to deal with that, but the second thing was that God wanted to redeem a bad decision. I love the story when when Sarah comes to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, we need to have a child, right? And they have a child and then there's problems. And she comes to Abraham, she's like, this is your fault. Why did you do this? And he looks at her and he says, hey, it was your decision. You deal with it. And you know what he was saying? He was saying, listen, and this is big because I think a lot of us are in this place of life. He said, you're responsible for what you gave birth to. And there are a lot of us today that are discouraged right now. And the reason is because we're trying to raise the thing that we gave birth to. It wasn't the good God idea. It was the, our idea. It was the good idea. And many times the good competes with the God. And so a lot of us are struggling with discouragement because of the decision that we made. And now we birthed something that we're having to raise. What's interesting for Hagar is it wasn't even her decision. Some of us are discouraged because we're living with a, somebody else's bad decision. Some of you today are in debt and you can't get out of debt because somebody else in your family made a bad decision and you're living with something that you didn't even come up with but now what was birthed you're responsible for. Some of you are struggling with the divorce right now because of somebody else's bad decision. But what I love about the story is that God loved her so much that he said, listen, I don't want your bad decision to stand. I don't don't want your character to stay deformed because here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back and I want you to bring your bad decision back to me because if you'll bring the bad decision back to me, I can redeem your bad decision. Come on, isn't that good news? You see, God wanted her to bring the bad decision back to the place of accountability and submission, and here's why. Because he knew that if she brought Ishmael back, Abraham was going to raise him. And Abraham was going to teach him how to have faith. And Abraham was going to make sure that he was circumcised and understood a covenant with God. And Abraham was going to show him what it means to walk up a mountain and say, I'm making God first. You see, the key to the blessing is always through the door of submission. 
And I'm here to tell you that discouragement will come along and it'll try to rob you of God's blessing by deforming your character. But don't let discouragement deform your character. In fact, let me show you a great scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, which says, We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. How many, when you first read that, like, what? It says, We can rejoice when we have problems. Why? For we know that those trials, that discouragement, they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of what? character see God wants you to live a life with redeemed character not deformed character because if you'll walk in redeemed character God can release to you his promise and his blessing and you can move forward how many want to move forward so number one, don't let discouragement deform your character. Here's the second point. I want you to write this down because I think it's important. And that's this. Don't let discouragement diminish your compassion. So we look at this story, that's what takes place because we see diminished compassion. The Bible says in Genesis 21, at the end of the story, she's out of water. She's been sent away. They're thirsty, they realize they're going to die in the wilderness, and so her son, who's 15, lays down under a bush. Now watch, she walks a hundred yards away because she doesn't want to see him die or hear him call her name. So then she, she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch my boy die, she said as she burst into tears. Now watch, and then an angel shows up, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, Hagar, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. And what does the scripture say? Go to him and comfort him. It's almost as if the angel is saying, Hagar, where's your compassion? Right, let me ask the question. How weird is it that someone who loved a child so much that they would not even want to watch or be there when their child took their last breath that they could at least rub their head and say, I love you and I'm sorry that this is the way it ended. What kind of person would not even want to see them die and let them die all alone in the middle of the wilderness? It's someone who has gotten so hardened in their heart because of discouragement in life that they have no more compassion. And I want to tell you that I think that there are people that are here today, people that are joining us in Wisconsin or Sweden or wherever you are, and you've lost your compassion. And if you've lost your compassion, maybe that's a red flag to tell you that the enemy is using discouragement in your life because discouragement will hold you back from moving forward. You know, I, I remember um, a while back, we were driving on a trip. We were going on vacation, and we were going over the grapevine to Northern California, and on our way there, we have a ritual, and we always stop in Bakersfield at In-N-Out Burger. I believe that they're going to serve In-N-Out Burger in heaven, so we're just preparing for eternity. That's... So we're not very far away. We're driving, and so I do the routine. Okay, guys, get ready. We're going to stop at In-N-Out. Woohoo! And suddenly, my kids get little horns in their head. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And they start acting all weird and being naughty. And they're like, I don't want to go to In-N-Out. How come we always have to go to In-N-Out? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? And then one was like, I don't even want food. Why do we have to stop? I'm not even hungry. And the other one was like, can't we go to Panda? It's right across the street. And the other one was like, I don't want to go to Panda. I want to go to, to Jack in the Box because Jack in the Box is better. Why do we always have to? I And they keep talking and they keep complaining and they keep complaining and the more they do, it's like the the steam is rising in my head and suddenly a a button is pulled, a lever is pulled, it flips the switch and out of my mouth comes the angry person. How many know what I'm talking about? And the reason is because they went from angry and hungry to hangry. Come on, how many here have ever been with your kids and they're just full on hangry? So I lose it in the car and I'm driving and suddenly my arm's like, you know, going, you guys. And I start yelling and I'm like, no one in this car is ever eating again. I mean, I was, I was, I was serious. The, the rest of this vacation, you're all fasting. I want you to know that right now. I was serious, and Tibet's looking at me like. (laughs) You see, the frustration and the discouragement of my kids caused me to get to a place where I didn't care if they ever ate the rest of their life. (laughs) And I'm telling you, don't let discouragement diminish your compassion. Because it'll try to rob you. In fact, I want to show you a verse. And this verse says in 1 Peter chapter 3, it says, finally, all of you be of one mind. This is big. All of you. Have what? Have what? Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. In other words, you need to be a compassionate person because if you do that, you will inherit a... You see, God cares about us so much. He doesn't want our character to be deformed and he doesn't want our compassion to be diminished. Why? Because he wants you to move forward into your blessing. blessing of a fulfilled life, the blessing of fulfilling God's purpose. Don't let it deform your character. Don't let it diminish your compassion. And I want to give you the last big idea here. And that is this. If if we're going to move forward, then you need to, to write this down. Don't let discouragement distort your vision. Don't let discouragement distort your vision. When we read this story, there's an interesting part. It says that Abraham sends her out, and when she goes out, it says she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. The phrase wandered aimlessly is a Hebrew word which means this. It means to to go astray, to vacillate with no direction. She was going nowhere. 
We learned last week, right, that if we're going to move forward, we have to have effort plus direction equals progress. The scripture says where there is no vision, the people perish. And so if the enemy can distort your vision, what will happen is by distorting your vision and you lose sight of what God has for you, of where he's taking you, suddenly all you can see is what's behind you and where you are right now. You get discouraged and now you can't move. Now you can't go anywhere. You can't accomplish anything. You can't move forward because he's distorted your vision. Some of you are here today and Here's what the enemy has told you because you're so discouraged. I'm never going to find love in my life again. Some of you are, my kids are always going to hate me. Some of you, I'm never going to get out of debt. Some of you, it's, you know what, I'll never be in ministry. I'll never start that business. And what happens is, it's like my little dog, Gidget. We, we ha- have two dogs. Um, um, last year, Bruiser, who had been with us for 14 years, he got very sick and he, we had to, to put him to sleep. Gidget, we had, we'd got from a shelter. She'd been rescued from a puppy mill. And she was kind of already a sensitive dog. But with Bruiser, wherever he went, she was there. And, and when Bruiser passed away, she literally would just crawl into corners and, and we couldn't find her. She didn't bark. In fact, she didn't bark for over six months. And I'll never forget, um, about three weeks after Bruiser died, I'm like, man, I got to get Gidget going here. And so I went over and I, I, I did what, you know, people do. I, I looked at Gidget and I kind of, you know, I got a treat out, off the counter and I kind of kneeled down and I started going, Gidget, come here, Gidget. How many know with animals, people just, all sanity goes out the window as soon as you start talking to them. And it's like, who is that person? You know, I I think of myself as an athletic guy, you know, and suddenly the next thing I know, I'm on my knees going, she just looks at me. Finally, I take a treat. I'm like, this will get her. I'm like, come here, Gidget, a treat. Come get a treat, Gidget. Here, Gidget, come on, come on. She looks at me. Finally, I put it down, thinking she'll come. I put it down. And this is what she does. She lays down and she backs underneath the ottoman. I know it's kind of a sad thing, and she's getting a little bit better now, but here's the point. She couldn't see the treat because her vision had been distorted by her discouragement. And there are people like Hagar who can't see the promise, the blessing, the vision, the direction, the purpose in life because discouragement has distorted your vision. But I love the story because here's what the scripture says. Then God, what does it say? Opened Hagar's eyes. And she what? Saw a well full of water. Here's what's powerful about that. Here's the thing that we all need to understand. Here's a principle right here with discouragement, with vision, with moving forward. Everything that Hagar needed... Now, here's what you need to notice about that. This does not say that God created a well suddenly in the middle of the wilderness. Here's what the scripture says. The well was was already there the whole time. She just couldn't see it. 
And the point for you and I is that everything you need to walk into God's purpose, to move forward in your calling, to move forward into God's promise and inherit his blessing, everything you need is right there. It's been there all along. Jesus said he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll stick closer to you than a brother. The well is already there, but unfortunately, discouragement has robbed you of being able to see the promise that is right in front of you. But what I love is that even when we can't see God and even when we can't hear God, God sees us and God hears us. Because the angel showed up and said to her, hey, God heard Ishmael as he cried. Even when you didn't think God heard you, God was listening. Even when your, your sight and your vision was all messed up, God could see you, God could hear you. In fact, here's what I love is, is that she was so distorted in her vision that she didn't realize what God had done because the thing that she was most sad about that she was sent away was actually the biggest blessing and God's way of fulfilling his promise because in those cultures of that day, if you were a surrogate servant having a child for your master, it meant that your master now owned the child and you didn't. So when God sent her away by bringing her back to Abraham and allowing Abraham to raise Ishmael, he, he was able to give Ishmael some character. He was able to give Ishmael a faith in God so that eventually when they sent her away, literally, God was giving Ishmael back to her. The very thing that she thought was the greatest harm was God's vehicle to give her her promise. And here's what the Bible says that in the next part of the verse, guys, bring up that next part. It says that then God opened Hagar's eyes. She saw the well. She quickly filled her water container and gave a boy a drink. And the Bible says, and God was with the boy as he grew in the wilderness. You know, some people think that Ishmael was cursed. But when I look at the Bible, I believe that Ishmael was blessed. And I'll tell you the reason why. First of all, it's because the Bible says that he had 12 sons and they all became princes. And not only that, the Bible says that at the age 137, Ishmael died, and the Bible says this phrase, he was gathered unto his family. Did you know the only other time that's used in scriptures when it was talking about Moses, when it said that Moses died and was gathered unto his family, which means Moses died and went to heaven. And it said it about Abraham, that Abraham, when he died, that he was gathered to his family. That phrase referenced going. Now, obviously, in those days, they didn't go right to heaven. They went to a paradise, and we're not going to get into that conversation. But it was the process of meaning that they were in right relationship with their father in heaven, meaning that they could go to heaven. So what the scripture said is that Ishmael had a legacy of children who were princes and leaders. And not only that, he went to heaven to be with his family. In other words, everything God promised Hagar, he fulfilled and even went above and beyond what she could ask or imagine because finally she didn't allow discouragement to distort her vision. She embraced the promise that God had given her. God's calling you forward. He's calling me forward. But I'll tell you right now, discouragement will rob you 
When I prepared this message, it was in 2016, and 2016 was one of the most discouraging, challenging years that I've ever had in my life. It was a year that, for the first time and only time in my life, I told God, God, I'm going to quit. Pastor Jerry, what do you mean? God's doing so many good things at Higher Vision. It's growing. People are getting saved, yeah? But I couldn't see it because discouragement had distorted my vision. It had diminished my compassion. It was starting to deform my thinking and my character to where I was like, God, I just, I can't do it. I want to give up. But I'm so thankful that even when you can't see him, and when you can't see it, that there's a well that's been there all along. And God opened my eyes and I began to see his grace and he began to renew me and I began to to run back to that place instead of going back to Egypt. I said, I'm letting go of the past. I'm letting go of the things and I'm running even to the place of growth and accountability and I did and when I did, God started changing and redeeming and and warming and and changing my heart and opening my eyes and today, I'm not feeling discouraged. Today, I'm full of faith and today I see promises and blessings that are on the horizon and I believe not only for me but for you and for this city and for our world through Higher Vision Church so today I want to end with this I want you to close your eyes and I want to sing a song I sang it when I first introduced this message and I want to sing it one more time why should I feel discouraged Why should the shadows fall? Why should I feel lonely? Long for heaven's home. When Jesus He is my portion A constant friend is He His eyes are on the sparrow And I know He watches me I sing because I'm happy and I sing because I'm free His eyes are on the sparrow and I know He watches me.